as sailaways go, it's a pretty iconic sailway because it's just like you feel nothing like when you're at Port Canaveral and you're just sailing past that, like, what is it, the Banana River or... or <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And this week, we are kicking off a multi-part series on departure ports, I will call it, for Disney Cruise Line. So we're going to be bringing guests on to talk about their experience with the various ports that Disney sails out of outside of Port Canaveral, which a lot of people are very familiar with. I suppose we might do an episode on Port Canaveral, but I think we talk about Port Canaveral a lot on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. But tonight we're going to start with fabulous Miami. And since Sam and I have not sailed out of Miami, we have decided to bring on some guests or invited some guests to join us. We have repeat guests, Jessica, who's been with us before, and Chris from the DCL podcast. So let me start by welcoming Jessica and Chris. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be back. Great to have you guys. Yeah. Well, we wanted to start with uh, with talking about the Port of Miami, but we always kick our shows off with folks' Disney background. You guys have both been on the show before, so you can perhaps give a more abbreviated version. But since we get new listeners listening to the podcast each week, it's always good to uh, remind folks what your connection back to Disney is. So, Jessica, why don't we start with you? What's your Disney background? Um, I... Mostly have just done cruising. I did a few trips to Disney World. Um, we have our first coming up with us as a whole family. So a whole first trip for my entire family. Yay. And Aww. then, yes, we're very excited. But then we've been, we've done the Grand Slam and 10 Disney cruises all within the last six years or so. So we have done all the ships. We've done only a lot of the U.S. ports, but it's been been a blast. And obviously we are addicted. <laughs> are you going to be booking the Wish? We would like to. We will see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And how many times have you sailed out of Miami? We sailed out of Miami twice. Once in December of 2019 on a Maritime on the Magic. And then a month later in January of 2020 on the Magic for a Marvel Day at Sea cruise. Sweet. Yes. And you were on our episode talking about your Marvel Day at Sea a little bit. So that's my favorite cruise ever. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Chris, what about you? Uh, you are a three or four Pete guest at this point, but what's your Disney background? So I grew up in Southern California, which of course means that I spent a lot of time at Disneyland. Uh, I live in Burbank now, which is sort of like the backyard of Walt Disney Studios. And I worked at Disneyland for a bit. It was my very first job out of high school. And of course, I'm a co-host on a podcast about Disney Cruise Line. And you all have been guests on our show a bunch. So <laughs> I guess we're just sort of giving back to each other here. <laughs> That being said, my Disney cruise background is that we went on our first cruise for our honeymoon, my husband and I. We did a four-night on the Dream, and we loved it. (laughs) And then we basically went on one or two cruises every year since then. We were going to have a Grand Slam with the Wonder out of San Diego, but then that pesky pandemic (laughs) changed everything. (laughs) In fact, Brian and Sam and Seth and I were all going to be on the same cruise together. That's right. In October, that was this past October. Yeah. (sighs) But alas, it wasn't meant to be. So maybe we'll get that rescheduled for, for a different cruise going into Mexico soon. But 
that's sort of my history is I love the parks. I love the cruise line. It's been sort of a part of my life, my whole life, because I've lived so close to Disneyland. But the cruise line really is more of a recent thing, you know, We discovered it maybe about five years ago and haven't looked back. (laughs) Absolutely. And how many times have you, sorry, how many times have you cruised out of Miami, Chris? So we've cruised out of Miami once on a Marvel Day at Sea on the Magic. And we did sort of a land and sea vibe where we made up our own... land package of just things to do in Southern Florida. And then we went on a five night Western Caribbean that stopped in Grand Cayman. Nice. Nice. Well, so buried in there for both of you, for our listeners, is that if you want to do a Marvel Day at Sea, which again, you can go back and listen to the episode we did with Jessica and we've had other guests on who have relayed the fabulous experience that they had with their Marvel Day at Sea, you will have to sail out of Miami currently because it's the only port of departure that offers the Marvel Day at Sea. So this is a pertinent episode for anyone looking to do a Marvel Day at Sea experience because you will have to go out of Miami. Well, let's start with somehow we all have to get to Miami and I don't think any (laughs) of us live within driving distance of Miami. You can certainly drive there if you'd like. Where should we fly into or what are our choices? Jessica, do you want to help folks understand where they might fly into? Sure. We flew directly into Miami the night before. I will say we have flown Southwest since we are in Wisconsin. And we decided because Southwest doesn't fly to Miami, at least a direct flight, we tried for the Miami cruise to use Disney's airline with Delta. Like they're out, there's a partnership and I can talk about more later, but that was the smartest thing I think we've ever done. <laughs> it was just seamless booking with and through Disney. And so, yeah, we decided to fly into Miami just because it was the easiest for us. Yeah, it's the closest to the port. It's probably going to be your best bet if you want, you know, not too much travel time between airport and port. Yeah. And Chris, did you also fly into Miami when you went? We didn't, just so that we can have a balanced episode. Uh, we <laughs> flew in the Fort Lauderdale. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. The other area airport. That's yeah. That, that's I wanted to let folks know that there's another airport. Yeah, nearby. yeah. So we'll probably get to this, but the uh, Miami area is unique in that there are two major ports there and there are two major airports. So you can fly into Fort Lauderdale and it's about a 40 minute drive south to get to Miami to get mm-hmm. to the port there. And it's not the, the, I guess the draw for Fort Lauderdale is really just depending on if you have loyalty with certain airlines, because mm-hmm. the airlines are not evenly dispersed between those two airports. It's sort of like, you know, Southwest might prefer the Miami airport and JetBlue might prefer Fort Lauderdale. I don't even know if that's true. I can't remember what we flew in. But my point is certain airlines are more likely to fly into Fort Lauderdale than Miami. And so if you have loyalty with a certain airline, you may find that you're actually having to fly into Fort Lauderdale. It's not too big of a pain because the Ubers and the cabs and every sort of like transportation option down there is used to having to drive from Fort Lauderdale to Miami and and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of transportation on the ground once you land, even if you end up picking the further away airport. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. 
And and also for our listeners, Disney Cruise Line doesn't sail out of Fort Lauderdale, but many other cruise lines actually sail out of Fort Lauderdale as opposed to sailing out of Miami. And um, Brian and I have cruised out of Fort Lauderdale on Celebrity Cruise Line. And I don't remember which airport we flew into. Uh, it was many years ago. We flew into it's the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood Airport, yeah. and it is not for it's not the port of Fort Lauderdale. Port it's Everglades. the port of yeah. port Everglades. Port Everglades yeah, is where thing. the cruise ships yeah. come out of. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so the, so there are yeah so there's two major ports and two major airports, and so Fort Lauderdale Airport is closer to Port Everglades, and Miami Airport is closer to the Port of Miami, but neither of them is really that far from one another, and so whatever might be more convenient from a cost perspective for your know, airline tickets might actually you know be the way to go if you're not worried too much about paying for an Uber. Yeah. The the other consideration to have is for those listening, I imagine there are folks out there who are going to say, well, what I really want to do is fly into or out of MCO so I can spend a little time at the parks. Right. And people do that. I think most people who fly in or out of MCO and spend time at the parks pre-cruise then take a cruise out of Port Canaveral because it's just much more convenient to get there. And there's transportation from the Disney resorts out to Port Canaveral, including Disney provided transportation at a cost. Disney's not going to have a bus that runs from the resorts down to Miami. So you have to get there on your own by renting a car or eventually there will be there's a Brightline train coming to Orlando. It will initially be at the airport and then will extend over to downtown Disney um, or Disney Springs. Sorry, it's the California influence of Disneyland on me. Disney Springs. <laughs> They'll eventually have a stop there that that can take you from Disney Springs, presumably all the way down to Miami uh, via train. So in a few years, that will be an option for now. Your probably best option is is renting a car. I'm sure you could get a private transfer service, but that's going to be insanely expensive. It is about a three hour drive or a three and a half hour drive between Orlando and Miami. And it is uh, anticipated that the train ride will be about three hours as well. So if you want to spend time at the parks beforehand or afterwards, you'll have to make your own way down. But it is it is doable. It's not impossible. It's doable. So you can also obviously take a short hop flight from Orlando down to uh, to Miami if you wanted to do that as well. Mm -hmm. Jessica and Chris, have either of you guys paired any many of your Miami cruise experiences with the trip to the parks or did you just stay closer to the Miami area? No, we have not actually with any of our cruises planned like a Walt Disney World land and sea trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my grandparents, when they were alive, lived in Florida. And so <laughs> we have been around <laughs> Florida from Miami up to Orlando and back and things like that. But not because of Disney World, just mm -hmm. because of family. And the Brightline uh, train that you mentioned, I do think it's scheduled to open from Orlando to Miami starting in 2022. So we're not too far from that. And a lot of people are actually speculating that that is the main reason Disney is stopping their um, Magical Express service, because people will be able to take the Brightline train from the airport to Disney Springs. And then, of course, there are many buses at Disney Springs. Mm -hmm. There is there will be new transportation options coming to Florida that that make it actually a lot easier for them to sail out of Miami, which mm -hmm. incidentally, 
they're going to need because they're bringing on three giant new cruise ships and <laughs> Port Canaveral cannot support yeah. the plethora of Disney ships that are going to be in the fleet starting in, you know, the next three to four years. So I think Miami is going to get is going to become a hot Disney port that that maybe is a year round Disney port sooner than we think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although there was some just a flag for listeners, there was some news about a month ago now, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago now that Disney was a partner with I'm forgetting which other cruise line to help improve the port of Miami, one of the piers that I think they were going to share the pier with another cruise line for the new ships coming online. And Disney, I guess, filed something with the port that suggested that they were exploring other possibilities. <laughs> and so there is some speculation that Port Everglades might be courting Disney to have their ships go out of there. I don't know what there's no information around what will happen or or any decisions or anything like that. It could all just be a, also some sort of play by Disney to get a better experience out of Port Miami. Who knows? But, you know, this episode might grow stale in a few years if they start sailing out of Port Everglades and we'll have a whole new experience. But also <laughs> just a flag for folks that they're making improvements to the Port of Miami. So as we talk about things today, the experience will change slightly over time as Disney and again, I forget the other cruise line, if it's Royal Caribbean or Carnival. But as they improve the port down there, uh, the experience will probably change a little bit. So. Yeah, Royal for the record, Royal has like an office building on that little island that that sails out of where where Port Miami is, and they they have like quite a setup there. So I would imagine it might oh, be yeah, Royal. That's right. Well, let's shift gears over to we talked about flying in. I think you both have some experience with transferring from the airport. Chris, you mentioned private transfers. Jessica, did you use some sort of Disney transfer? It sounded like, and what was that like? We used Disney transfer from the hotel to the port. We came in the night before and actually used one of the Disney preferred hotels and their transportation bus picked us up from the airport the night before and brought us to the hotel. That's convenient. Which hotel, I'm curious, did Disney have you use? We used that. We had two choices. It was either between the Four Seasons, which was at a much higher price point, and the EB Hotel, which was still at a high price point, but not as high as the Four Seasons. <laughs> yeah, you don't and, say. And what, and was the transportation just like a, a coach bus, basically, kind of like a mirrors bus or something? For to the port, yes. And I can talk more about that as well. But yeah, we use we basically use Disney everything just for ease of comfort on my part as a type A personality and just the guarantee that Disney provides. Absolutely. And so I guess maybe let me back up. What was the transportation from the airport to the hotel then? Was it was it a bus or was it a car service or something that Disney arranged? It was like a mini bus. Gotcha. Like one of those little mini buses that most hotels have. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And gotcha. F- and for our listeners' benefit, who are you traveling with when you're going to on a Disney cruise to Miami? Who's who's in your travel party? Oh, I'm sorry. My husband and we have two little girls who are now ages three and six, but they were one and four at the time. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I ask you this on purpose. I mean, I, I know this from our previous show with you, but I ask <laughs> you this on purpose because I, I do think there is something to be said for when you particularly when you're traveling with young children and you don't want to have to schlep car seats with you or you yes, might have to for hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you might have to still for like you would still have to for like an infant, but like for young kids, if you can travel and it's easy to do to Disney World typically, or at least it 
it, it is until they take away the magical express. But generally speaking, when you travel with young kids, you got to schlep these car seats and strollers and all, you know, all this gear. But if you're going to be do- using bus transportation, you don't typically need to schlep those things. So it's kind of nice to book that kind of transportation and Disney makes it super easy. Absolutely. Yeah. And Chris will get to experience that now as a new parent. So (laughs) I know I've been thinking I've been thinking about how much I tune out when people talk about, oh, and you have to pack your car seats and you have to. And I'm like, that doesn't apply to me, but uh, it does. So (laughs) have to have to start uh, travel when they're littler. I will say that. But as they get older, there's pros, too. Yeah, well, they need more gear when they're when they're littler. There's actually more stuff that you have to schlep with you. And when they're a little bit older, you start to have to bring less stuff. But and they can carry some of their own stuff. There's nothing like the time we went to the airport that Nathan had his own backpack. Right. Right. But <laughs> so, you have to like entertain them and stuff. Whereas when they're an infant, yes. that's actually, you know, I know they're like they might be crying and things like that. But as an infant, it's actually a little I would say an infant is much easier to travel with than, let's say, a toddler. So, yes. <laughs> Toddlers are the most difficult, I think. I think when yes, they get older. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's like infant being the easiest, older kid being maybe the second easiest, toddler being the worst experience of your life. So <laughs> get ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so Jessica, you you use the Disney Hotel. You um you went with the lower cost option hotel. So I'm just curious, like what? How was it? Uh, I assume Disney is usually known for having high quality partners. So I'm assuming it was a high quality location. But how was it for you and your family? It was it was very nice. I will say we had two different experiences. The first time, which was a you know they were only a month apart, but they were two very different experiences. I won't say that they were the most kid friendly. We our youngest was still in a crib, so we had ordered a you know requested a crib that was not there the first time, and so it was later at night. She was not having it, and so we had to wait for that. The food options are not the greatest. They have a restaurant and they had room service, so we utilized both of those separately. And I mean they're decent. I wouldn't say they're the best I've had. Actually, Disney's probably the best food I've ever had on a cruise, so we were looking forward to that. But I mean there was anything I would complain about. It was it was good for one night. And I think we're used to staying at the Hyatt in Port Canaveral. We always stay at the airport hotel the night before. So mm-hmm. it was very comparable to that. And where, where was the hotel situated, I guess? Was it near the port? Um, it was about 20 to 30 minutes from the port. It was only five to 10 minutes from the airport. And is this like in downtown Miami or is it in the outskirts of Miami? Do you remember? It's definitely in the outskirts. Okay. Interesting. So not someplace that you can like walk to, let's say a restaurant or something like that. No, no. I think I'm, I'm assuming you could do like, you know, order takeout. I will preface this by saying, because I'm in the mid, the heart of the Midwest in a suburb of Milwaukee, we aren't able to utilize like Lyft and Uber and, you know, I know food deliveries. We just don't have that in our area. So I didn't know how to go about doing that when we get to a really big city. No, but that makes sense. It's a different level of expectation. For example, I mean, we live in the suburbs of Seattle, but we have every food service delivery and every um, transportation service like Uber and Lyft. And so for us, it yeah, we're used to using utilizing those things. And I think we might expect if we booked through Disney transportation that we would be in more of like a downtown core area. So it's good to know that it, it's not. I would assume I didn't look at it because it was so much more out of our price range, but I would assume the four seasons maybe more towards the port closer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so you said you stay at the EB hotel in Miami. Is that right? Correct. 
Yeah. And so it is like literally across the street from the airport on the on one corner close to the highway there. Uh, it looks fabulous, it has great reviews on TripAdvisor, but you can tell it is a it is far outside of the downtown core northwest of Miami downtown area. So, yeah, and then you can see the port is pretty far away just looking at the uh, just looking at the map here. Whereas the Four Seasons Hotel Miami is yeah, I, I don't know that you could. I mean, I'm sure you could get closer to the port, but you are right in downtown area, right on the beach. Actually, it looks like if it's the right Four Seasons Hotel. So it's a pretty big difference between the, the locations. Yeah, which makes yeah. sense that that would be the more expensive option too. anything near Miami Beach is going to be a higher price point for sure. Now, Chris, you arranged your hotels yourself. Where did you end up staying? So again, just because I travel a lot for work, I have uh, loyalty to certain brands simply because they give me points. Mm-hmm. They get you that way. Yep. So I I chose to stay in a Kimpton hotel. Oh, we love the Kimpton oh, hotels. Nice. We love Kimpton hotels. <laughs> oh, they're great. Not not that I'm advertising for Kimpton, but they're great. I'll have no shame. If Kimpton will give us a free night, I'll advertise for them. Oh, same. Uh <laughs> Miami has two Kimptons, and we chose to stay at one that's across the street from the port because we wanted to see the magic sail in in the morning. <laughs> so we told the hotel sort of like we wanted a window that was facing out that way. They are really accommodating. So we stayed there. They had a really nice restaurant right in the downtown area. It was really really a good experience. And then we sort of set it up. I mentioned that we did a bit of a land and sea vibe, but we set it up where we flew in the day before the cruise. But I was coming from a work trip. (laughs) My husband was coming from California and we met my mother-in-law. So we actually were all three flying in on different airlines and different planes at different times meeting in Miami. And so we stayed at the Kimpton and then sailed out of Miami the next day. And then we followed that cruise with a stay at the Intercontinental just to mix it up because Intercontinental and Kimpton are in the same family of hotels. And the downtown Miami Intercontinental is like one of the tallest buildings. It's very nice, very chic. So yeah, we we basically did two downtown hotels, one going into the cruise and one going out of the cruise for our sort of land portion of the trip. And and do you remember which Kimpton Hotel you stayed at, Chris? I think there's three available in Miami. We stayed at the Epic Hotel. Okay. Yeah, right in the heart of Miami, it looks like. Yeah. We we forgot to ask you, Chris, um, what kind of transportation did you use to get from the airport to your hotel when you flew in and and did your husband and mother-in-law, did they use the, you know, same transportation? Did you all sort of meet up at the airport or how'd you get How'd you get to downtown Miami? We knew that we were going to rent a car for the land portion (laughs) of our trip. And so we basically decided to to not rent a car for that first since it was only going to be a day we were like let's just do ubers and lifts and get each of us get from our from our airports to the hotel but also that the kimpton is literally across a bridge and then across the street from the port (laughs) and so it's like maybe maybe a five minute cab ride and so We basically could have even walked, except it's not very easy to walk onto that island. So we did end up taking a cab to the port the next morning. And we just let the hotel arrange that because (laughs) we had a lot of luggage and it's just easier. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it sounds like it's it's 
kind of similar to, well, if you're sailing out of San Diego, for example, there are several hotels that are across the street from the port and you literally can walk across the street to, to go to the port. You know, it sounds like it's, it's similar in the distance, but because of the way it's sort of situated, it's more difficult to just walk there. Plus, as you mentioned, lots of luggage for a cruise, right? So yeah, there's just there's like this bridge that gets onto that port island. And I don't know if there's like a pedestrian walkway on that bridge. Maybe there is. But yeah, we were maybe like six blocks from that bridge. But still, it was like, eh, with all the luggage, let's just go ahead. When we rented a car on the way back, I actually <laughs> just sort of like left the family there, ran to I think we went with six, the rental car company, ran there, got the car and drove back to pick them up and the luggage just to make it easier on everyone. So there are a lot of rental car options around there if you decide that's easier. And I will say that rental cars can be relatively cheap when you have a lot of people traveling because the charter, the Disney charter, I think, Jessica, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a per person fee, right? So yes, I looked it up. We paid under 200 for the four of us. That's not terrible. Okay. But, you know, some rental cars you could get for like 40 bucks a day. And so it could end up being cheaper depending on on your family's needs. So for us, we decided that it wasn't worth the hassle to rent a car before the cruise. But we knew we were going to drive all over Southern Florida for the four days following the cruise. We basically put all of our rental car eggs into that basket. One thing I want to interject on the getting to the port piece, and then I do want to ask a question about the rental car side of this. On the getting to the port piece, I have heard that, you know, a lot of the hotels in the area offer a bus to get you over to the port. It sounds like you used a cab. I have heard it's sometimes better to do what you did because Miami is a very busy port terminal with a lot of hotels in the area. And so getting on the bus, there can be a fee. For the bus. So you wouldn't have checked that with your hotel if you're planning to rely on it. But two, the buses fill up quickly. And so you might be kind of waiting because those buses, there's multiple cruise lines sailing out the airport or the, the hotels are taking multiple people over at once. I don't know if either of you saw anything from that standpoint at your hotels around the bus service from the hotel to the port. I guess we just weren't paying very much attention <laughs> because, because we were just so like do it ourselves. And honestly, I'm not the type of person like if Disney had a really like smooth option for us, we probably would have taken it. But it just didn't make sense for our situation because we were flying in from three different cities on three different airlines. And it just was like all over the place. But you know, it's something that I think Disney does try to offer to cruise passengers because they know that it can be pretty overwhelming to sail out of a new city, especially those international cities. Like if you're sailing out of Barcelona, for example, I would probably go with Disney's options in that case, just because I might feel a little bit overwhelmed to try to figure everything out in Spain. <laughs> What's the, the rental car situation, Chris, just real fast. Is that, are, are you pick, are there rental car locations out on the island where Disney sails out of, or did you have to come back into downtown to get a rental car? If there were rental car locations on the island, I didn't find any that were I can't remember if I didn't find any that were like appropriately priced or if I didn't find any at all. But I know that we ended up going with that sixth. It's spelled like S-I-X-T rental car company because they had pretty good rates and they were close to the port. So that's sort of what we ended up choosing. But there may be rental car options that are on the island. I will say for those of you not familiar with yeah, Miami, build up the port. that yeah. island is I think it's I think it's made by people. It's not like a naturally occurring thing. Yeah, no, it was it was made. It was man-made. 
Right. It, that island basically juts out into, you know, the bay there. And then the sail away out of Miami will have you sailing past like multi-million dollar mansions and like yes. J-Lo's house. And, <laughs> and then at the very end of that island, off to the left hand side, you will see South Beach and all of the iconic Miami beach vibes. And so as sailaways go, it's a pretty iconic sailway because it's just like you feel nothing like when you're at Port Canaveral and you're just sailing past that, like, what is it, the Banana River or, or <laughs> <laughs> like not pretty blue, beautiful waters and, and extra long beaches. So Miami probably wins the sailway in Florida, at least uh, in terms of beauty. Yeah, it's beautiful. I want to say one thing about rental cars, which that people should know, um, particularly if you're renting a car like before a cruise, uh, most of the ports have parking and, you know, parking structures, but you have to pay for that parking at, I, I, I'm assuming, well, all the ports that I know of, you have to pay for parking. And so if you're on, you know, a seven night cruise, for example, you're going to be, when you get back and you're getting your car, you're going to be paying for the parking. And so not only are you paying for the car rental for all those days that you're on the cruise, but also for the, um, for the parking. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You you know, don't pay to park a rental car for a week. <laughs> I'd just say looking at the Port of Miami's website, their current rates in March of 2021 as we're recording this, it's uh it looks like it's $22 a night for overnight parking, although they note here that the Royal Caribbean garage is $25 a day. So if you're driving down with a rental car, just note you can probably return it someplace close to the port and get some sort of bus shuttle over from the rental car company. So you don't have to pick up that charge. Or as Chris did, you can grab the rental car after your cruise, right? So there are ways around paying for the parking, I would say. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about where to stay. We've talked about how you uh, get to the port. We skipped over things to do. Now, Chris, you actually said you made this into kind of a land and sea adventure. What kind of things did you do in Miami, either pre-cruise or afterwards? Florida's not my favorite, <laughs> primarily because of the weather. <laughs> I hate humidity and Florida is humid. There's, I guess, Southern Florida is actually not to me as bad as Central Florida weather-wise because you can get kind of an ocean breeze in Miami. But in general, it's not my favorite. So I haven't really vacationed there outside of Disney things. That being said, Seth and I are really into national parks. <laughs> and the Everglades National Park is right down there in my, or not in Miami, but outside of Miami. And actually the Southern part of Florida is, is very largely <laughs> the Everglades. It is not very populated by people, just really around the coasts. And so we went to Everglades National Park. We went to all the different places to see wildlife that you could in the park. We were, you know, mere feet away from very wild alligators and <laughs> lots and lots of unusual wildlife that we don't normally get to see. I will say if you're into national parks, the thing about the Everglades is they're flat and there's not it's not like you're seeing the majestic domes of Yosemite or something. But if you're into wildlife, Everglades is a really cool national park because you can see animals that literally only exist in that part of the world. And so highly recommend that. We made a day out of it. Also, we drove the, forget the name of the highway, but whatever highway goes through the Keys all the way to Key West, we drove that. Uh, and we spent a day in Key West. Really beautiful city. 
Um, really unusual city. I feel <laughs> it, it felt like nowhere else that I'm used to in the U.S. Of course, we got some key lime pie because we're tourists, but I really had fun in Key West. And also, you know, because of Key West is sort of trying to make it more difficult for cruise ships to stop there, in part because of environmental things, I think also in part because the city can just become really overrun with cruise ships. <laughs> and I think they're trying to figure out how to keep the character of the city during tourist seasons. But it may be increasingly difficult for you to see Key West on a Disney cruise in the future. And so if you wanted to go to Key West, you may have to drive there now. And we did. And it was a lot of fun, really beautiful. And then the other weird thing we did, I need to remember the exact name of this thing. But we decided to go to this public pool, which I know sounds really fun. (laughs) But... I think it's called the Venetian pool. And basically it is a pool that is fed by a freshwater spring. So there's no chlorine in it. And it's massive. This thing is like huge, huge pool. And I think environmentalists have some qualms about it. Actually, we learned after we went because they drain it every day and then refill it because it has no chemicals in it. So and lots of people swim in it. So they want to keep the water clean. If you look up pictures of it, I think you'll see why we went there. It's absolutely stunning. And it's sort of built around what looks sort of like a Spanish fort. And there's waterfalls and caves that you can explore and swim into. And it's in a a little town called Coral Gables and really beautiful, really weird. I recommend if that's your thing. But yeah, you pay a fee to get in. It's not it's not like the cheapest activity you could do, but it was really beautiful. And I'm glad we can say that we did it. (laughs) Did you guys do any beach time? Did you go to the, the famous, you know, famous Miami beaches? We didn't because we had Castaway Key under our belt at that point. (laughs) So we were like, eh, we don't need another beach this trip. And I think we were actually fortunate enough to get an adult cabana on that trip. So we were extra beachy. (laughs) So yeah, I feel like uh, we didn't do any beaches. I will give you a plug, though, for a restaurant called Yardbird. If you like Southern style fried chicken, it's a Miami restaurant that they have now expanded. I think they have a location in Vegas and they have a location here in Beverly Hills now, but it's literally the best fried chicken you'll ever eat. And that's in Miami, like South Beach area, Miami. Not, It's not on the beach, but it's not too far from the beach. So that would be my recommendation if you're looking for some really good food. That sounds yummy. Jessica, did you, I know you guys didn't spend too much time in Miami. Did you guys get to do anything around Miami uh, either before or after the cruise? No, unfortunately (laughs) we didn't. It was just, it was just too hard. We, my husband lived there when he was in medical school. So he kind of knew some stuff about that. But at that point with the two little kids, we, we opted out of it. Let's talk about the port a little bit, sort of the process of embarkation and and maybe a little bit about disembarkation also. And and I think for our listeners, the comparator really is Port Canaveral. A, a large number of Disney cruises sail out of Port Canaveral and Disney has its own terminal and there's, you know, it's pretty smooth process and the check-in and the disembarkation is all choreographed really well. Compare it for us to Miami. I will say the first difference is it might have been because we used the Disney transportation, but we didn't have to pick a port arrival time. So it strictly just depended when the bus picked us up at the hotel and dropped us off at the port. I will say taking Disney transportation from 
the airport to Port Canaveral was a lot different than taking the the transportation from this air or this hotel to Miami Port in that you have I, they took the luggage from our room but they took the luggage off the bus once we got to the port but we had to then roll it or carry it to the porters ourselves so we had to make sure that that process went that way and we just weren't used to that we were like okay I guess you know, we're doing it <laughs> we right. don't have a choice but it was just a lot different in that way. And we also got to the port a lot later than we would have liked. I think we got there at 1130 and the boarding started around 10 or 1030. So that wasn't ideal for us. But again, just the ease with little kids. But it was it was very different in that you don't the security is set up differently. I think there's three or four different like x-ray areas. And they're constantly checking all of your documents. I think our documents were checked three or four times versus Port Canaveral. They just check it when you check in. So that was a lot different. They had to, you had to have them out constantly. And then checking in was definitely not as seamless as Port Canaveral. It took a lot longer. I don't know if there were just more glitches with their computer systems, but you just, you enter on one level, you check in, get your lanyards, get your key to the world card all of that stuff. And then they direct you to behind them is a little walkway and you go that way and up an escalator and you're just inundated with people waiting for their boarding group. And we never had to wait because we got there so late. So we just walked right into the line and we always opted to have our pictures taken with the photographers and the backdrops. And then we walked right on. And it is a lot different walking onto a classic ship in Miami versus the dream or the fantasy in, in Port Canaveral. How is it different? Um, you walk into the atrium, you know, on that on that deck three, you're walking into the atrium. On the classic ship in, in Miami, you walk onto deck four, or deck five. It's I think I believe it's deck four. And you have to round the corner. You're walking literally on like that running track deck. Oh. And then you walk in and they direct you there. They call your name and you're not, you know, in the with the grand staircase. You're above the grand staircase, which is a little bit different. Oh, interesting. Oh, so you don't you don't enter the ship in the, the main atrium. Right. That is true. Right, yeah. it, the gangway doesn't allow for it, basically, in Miami. That's kind of a bummer because we love that moment when you enter into the atrium, they announce you and everybody's there, you know, and you walk past the, a bunch of the officers and they're clapping. And I don't know, it's like a grand, you know, this is a grand entrance and, and grand v- view when you're in that atrium and you look up at the big chandelier. Right. So, yeah, you're already on the ship when they announce you onto the ship. So yeah. it's, it's, it's funny. <laughs> That's oh, wow, I didn't know that. Well, see, we learn learn something new every day. <laughs> Chris, anything to add about the process of check-in or uh, what your experience was in Miami? The Port Canaveral terminal, I guess, is Disney. I don't know. It's not built by Disney, right? It already existed, but they they went in and plussed it up and in fact, none of us have seen what it looks like since the construction project that they did over the past year to sort of prep for the new ships. But there, I will say there is something very, you know, new about the Port Canaveral terminal. It feels a little more fresh to me. The Miami terminal is a, it's an older terminal. (laughs) Um, and maybe not purpose-built for Disney because other ships can use that terminal around throughout the year. So there is a vibe there that is different than Port Canaveral. I, I will say that. You're not walking through the like yellow ship Mickey ears and 
having sort of like a portal onto the ship. It, it's a different vibe. That being said, it's not a bad experience. It didn't feel particularly slow to me. There was lots of seating because we did get there a bit earlier than we needed to since we were so close to the terminal from our hotel. And so we, we did sit around for maybe 30, 40 minutes and just sort of <laughs> waited for them to call us. But, you know, it's not a bad terminal. I've, I've been in cruise ports where there isn't really any seating and uh, it doesn't, there's nothing to do. And there was some seating, some things to do. They also had some Disney characters walking around. So it was, it was not to the level of, of Disney theming that Port Canaveral has, but even the Disney theming at Port Canaveral is, is not substantial. It's sort of just like, you know, a touch here, a touch there. Although that could be very different in the future. In the near future. Yeah, yeah I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did want to say that kind of related to what Chris had said earlier, leaving when you're on the ship, they do have photographers that will take pictures because you can get some beautiful pictures with the backdrop of downtown Miami behind you. That to me is something unlike that you're going to get on any other port. And they even I think the the borders even said Miami, if I'm not mistaken, because we always do get the picture package. But it's really cool that the skyline it's it's beyond beautiful to have that backdrop um when when you're sailing out that's cool do they set that up then on like on one of like the pool deck or something yeah i believe we were it was yeah it was the back the back the aft of the ship uh, on the highest deck i think want to say deck 10 or a deck 11 i'm so rusty at this point (laughs) but they do have photographers stationed there if you want your picture taken we obviously take a lot of selfies with being the four of us but they always offer you know do you want us to take you know picture with your phone or do you want to use you know the photographer camera but yeah they plenty of opportunities to get your picture taken that way Anyway, that sounds cool. But anything notable about disembarkation? Fairly organized. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it seemed, a, I told my husband, I said it seemed a lot less chaotic than Port Canaveral. But also we did the Disney, we did Disney transportation, we did the Disney airline check-in. So we didn't see our bags since we put them out the night before. But it, it was pretty seamless. It seemed, it seemed less crowded in the, the, I don't know what that areas called where you have to get your luggage and then go through customs but it it was pretty flawless yeah i agree it, it was it was pretty smooth you know i uh, <laughs> there was a quite a few people waiting for transportation i feel out on the curb which is probably true at port canaveral as well but just because of the way that the miami port is set up you know it seemed pretty crowded and you know that's fine <laughs> When we sailed out of uh, Vancouver or into Vancouver, rather, for an Alaskan cruise, they were telling people it would be two hour wait for cabs. The cab line was so long. So I've seen much worse than what we experienced at Miami. (laughs) So I feel I feel good about the Miami process. Any other sort of tips and tricks for sailing out of Miami, Chris? No, I mean, it's a it's a really unique American city. It's not like other cities. So I recommend it for that reason. It is a lot more of a destination city than uh, Port Canaveral. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's not really I mean, the thing about Port Canaveral is you're really close to Cape Canaveral, you could go to the Kennedy Space Center, you're close to Cocoa Beach, you could spend some time in Cocoa Beach, Florida. But there's not a lot to do there. It's really more about Orlando. But Miami, it's a city and there's a lot of infrastructure and 
it's a beautiful, you know, downtown area. And there are things to explore that are that are only found there, like that random Venetian pool or the Everglades or, you know, take a take a day trip down to the Keys. So there's a lot to do down at that southern tip of Florida. And for that reason alone, I think, you know, if you're if you're a little Disney worlded out and you still want to go on a Disney cruise, Miami does offer some some pretty cool experiences. I think uh, for us, the the big draw is has always well, we haven't sailed out of Miami yet, but the big draw to us is that Marvel Day at Sea cruise, because right now none of the Marvel Day at Sea cruises have been sailing out of Port Canaveral. I should say not right now, but before the shutdown, all of the Marvel Day at Sea cruises were coming out of Miami rather than Port Canaveral. All right. Well, I think we now it's time for our rapid fire. Unless, Brian, do you have any follow up questions? No, I think we've covered it. Let's uh, let's head over to rapid fire, Sam. All right. So this is going to be I tried to make this rapid fire a little bit different because both of you have been on the show before. So we're going to start with what's your favorite Disney Cruise Line ship? And this may have changed since the last time we talked to you both. So, Jessica, let's start with you. What's your favorite ship? I love the magic. Awesome. Classic first ship. All right. What about you, Chris? I'll say the fantasy just because it changes all the time and I don't know if I have a favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's true. (laughs) Favorite port to sail out of? Chris, we'll start with you for this question. I actually might say San Juan. Ooh, (laughs) that's a good one. It's It's a really, really beautiful sail away past like old timey forts and like island hills and vibes. And you can actually embark and debark from san juan on some disney cruises it's a more rare port mm-hmm. but there are some cruises that sail out of san juan and it's one of the most beautiful uh sailaways cool jessica what about you what fa- what's your favorite port to sail out of i think it might be new york city when we did that because you get to sail right past the statue of liberty and the brooklyn bridge and the, just having that cityscape behind you is really cool too yeah it sounds like for both of you it's a, a lot about the iconic views you get from that sail away or from that uh even when you're sailing back home that's really cool favorite port to stop at so this is not your embarkation or your disembarkation port but a port in between let's start with you jessica I would have to say Key West, even though you can't go there anymore. So if you can't go there, then I'll say Castaway Key. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I was, I was going to say that some legislation is making its way through the Florida state legislature currently that uh, they seem to be taking aim at uh, reopening that Key West port to cruise traffic. So <laughs> fingers crossed, it's come out of a subcommittee to a committee and I'm watching it with interest because we have a cruise in February that's supposed to stop at Key West. So yeah. what about you, Chris? Favorite port stop? Uh, I mean, I would probably say Castaway. <laughs> and, you know, in five years, I'll probably say Lighthouse Point. <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> I have sort of a, I'm actually, I, I am nostalgic. Uh, I'm a nostalgic person or whatever, but I'm sort of the latest and greatest when it comes to Disney. Like if it's the newest ride, I love that thing. Or if it's like just refurbished, I get really excited about the changes. So uh, I'm pretty excited about Lighthouse Point. But for now, I'll say Castaway. Which means the Wish is going to become your favorite DCL ship as soon as it comes out. I Even- think it might. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I, I am a, I am a early adopter, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk um, excursion. Favorite excursion, Chris. 
Uh, I'm going to say parasailing. We parasailed at Castaway and being 300 feet in the air, driving past a, uh, <laughs> a Disney ship is pretty amazing. Cool. Brian loved that as well. Um, he signed up for it maybe five times before he got to go on it. <laughs> it just kept getting canceled. Yeah, we lucked out. We got to go. We got to go our first time. Yeah, it gets canceled for for wind. And so if you get, you know, if you're there on the a right the right day or choppy seas or whatnot. And, but it's supposed to be a really great one. And, and Brian enjoyed it. What about you, Jessica? Favorite excursion? We haven't done hardly any excursions, but I will say we did the Stingray um, adventure at Castaway Key. And that was really, really cool. All right. The next two questions are food, uh, food questions. Who doesn't love the food on a DCL cruise? <laughs> if you don't like food, you shouldn't cruise. <laughs> yeah, it, it, do, it really Correct. doesn't matter what cruise line. If you don't like food, it, it's probably cruises might not be for you. Or maybe you want to go on one of those like health food ones. It, it doesn't mean you have to overeat, but you have to enjoy good food. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my first question is a favorite onboard snack. Jessica, we'll start with you. Oh, the ice cream. The all-you-can-eat ice cream, right? <laughs> yeah, I love it. What, which flavor? Are you a chocolate vanilla swirl or are you like a banana strawberry or, you know? I liked, they had one, it's only been on one cruise, but the blueberry, I don't know. I've only had it once and it was my hands down favorite. Nice. What about you, Chris? Favorite onboard snack? Chocolate covered strawberries. Mmm. Always a good one. Favorite onboard dish. Chris, favorite onboard dish. Okay. So in what is, what amounts like the Royal Palace restaurant? And their main sort of like first night rotational menu, they have this apple tart that is like the best thing ever. And usually the server will just bring it to be from whatever restaurant to whatever restaurant I'm in because I like it that much. (laughs) Jessica, what's your favorite onboard dish? It's a tie between the pasta per sets and the Grand Marnier souffle. Oh, I eat those every time. (laughs) We are big fans of the truffle persets as well. Those are amazing at animators. Yeah. I don't think I've had that Grand Marnier souffle, but I'm, I might be one of the few people who is not huge on either souffles or on Grand Marnier. See, normally I'm not either, but together it's just that, that Remy, I call it the Remy combo. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. Favorite themed cruise, Jessica. Marvel Dancy. Nice. What about you, Chris? I'll go Star Wars. Yeah. I've done I've done Marvel and Star Wars, but Star Wars was the last cruise I did in February of 2020 and then the world went <laughs> went sideways. Oh. It holds a special place in my heart. All right, last question, bucket list cruise. This doesn't even have to be some place that Disney normally sails to, but some place you would want to go on a Disney cruise. Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, where would I want to go? Somewhere in Europe. I'm like, I want to go to the Greek Isles or the Mediterranean or something like that. I'm, I'm ready to go across the pond and I have not done that with Disney. So that would be my, that would be my like future cruise for sure. Awesome. What about you, Jessica? I'd have to invent my own. Let's go to Alaska, to Hawaii, and then through the Panama Canal cruise. Like that just sounds like oh, the most epic cruise ever. I love it. So like a six month cruise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think 
you could probably do that in like two months, but yeah, it would be, it's certainly a longer cruise. <laughs> yes. But figure out- a We way. need it after the year we've had. Yes, yes, yeah. So we got to figure out a way to like um, send the kids to the grandparents for those couple of months. Because <laughs> yes. that would be an epic adults only cruise as well. All right. Well, that is the last of my questions. Um, yeah. Well, and Jessica, Chris, it was just Great having you on to talk about sailing out of the port of Miami on Disney Cruise Line. And I appreciate you sharing all of your experiences. Chris, since our podcasts tend to support one another, I definitely wanted to give you an opportunity to plug the fabulous DCL podcast. Do you want to tell folks where they can find the DCL podcast? Uh, yeah, so uh, you can find us on any major podcast distributors, you know, iTunes, Spotify, whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts. We are at DCL Podcasts on all your social media sites. And yeah, we've I think we've been going for maybe four or five years. So we have, I think, maybe like 170 episodes. So a lot to catch up on. It might be daunting, but we are definitely friends of the DCL duo and support everything going on here. So, you know, if you just can't get enough Disney podcasting, especially Disney Cruise Line podcasting, <laughs> feel free to check us out. <laughs> well, we are we are barreling toward, as we record this, our one year anniversary of podcasting. Our first full episode was released on March 19th. So we're six days away from being at a year of podcasting. And that entire year has been... Well, the cruise lines have been <laughs> shut down. So we are very much looking forward to getting back to sailing so that we can have a, a, a podcast about some new experiences and adventures. But for now, Jessica, Chris, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences about sailing out of the Port of Miami. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's really great to be here. Well, it is always fun to catch up with our prior guests, especially Chris and Jessica. It was fabulous having them on to talk about sailing out of the port of Miami. It sounds like an iconic port, a fun time and a fun opportunity. And I know Sam and I are very much looking forward to getting our first Marvel Day at Sea. And so are looking forward to sailing out of the port of Miami someday soon. Also interested in what Disney ends up doing with port improvements down there as that could really change the experience, I suppose. So anyway, looking forward to sailing out of Miami someday and appreciated all the great tips and tricks that Chris and Jessica shared with us this evening. With that, we do have a new Apple podcast review this week. It comes from Rachel Herrera 11, who writes very fun and informative. I love the whole concept behind this podcast. I've been dying to take a Disney cruise and now I know where to go to get all of the pertinent information. I listened to the Touch of Disney episode and it also had a lot of great information. Well, thank you, Rachel Herrera 11. We really appreciate the feedback and the review and we're glad that you found so much good information on the podcast and we look forward to putting out these episodes so that you can benefit from them each and every week. So with that, I do want to thank everyone for listening this week. As always, please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also leave us those five-star reviews over at Apple Podcasts, especially those written reviews. They are really helpful in making our podcast more visible to people who might be looking for contents like ours. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content, or you can join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Park. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.